0: morning we are continuing our teaching series called 23 where we are journeying together through one of the most beloved and most familiar passages in all of scripture and that is the 23rd psalm and we're exploring together how when we walk with the lord our shepherd and depend on him for provision and for protection we lack nothing our good shepherd satisfies us he refreshes us he guides us and he guards us and this morning as we continue our journey we're going to look together at psalm chapter 23 verse 5 which says this you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows now i don't know exactly what has been going on over the last couple of months. I don't know all the factors that are contributing to this phenomenon, but it feels, to me at least, like everybody is going to Italy. Seems like every time I glance at the socials, there are pictures of friends from near and far who are in Tuscany or Rome or Florence or, uh, or even one of the most beautiful and charming places on Earth, Sorrento on the Amalfi Coast. And uh, it feels like everybody is sending back pictures from Italy. And back in uh, 1998, uh, I went on the first of two missions trips to Naples, Italy, I know, suffering for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> both, of which, both of which had a huge impact on me on a number of different levels. Um, the, the first trip ended with a couple of days in Rome before we, were, before we returned home, one of which happened to be my 29th birthday. Uh, And that night, that free night in Rome, uh, the the little, the small team that I went with ate outside at a restaurant that was literally across the street from the Colosseum. Uh, And as you imagine, uh, that's been a difficult birthday to beat. Uh, Sitting across from the Colosseum on an October Italy night uh, has been absolutely, absolutely lovely. And then interestingly enough, one of the people who went on that trip and who was at that meal was in Rome a few weeks ago and passed by the restaurant and took a photo of it and, uh, and sent it to me, which was uh, so fun to see it that it's still there all these years later and just evoked a lot of really great memories. Uh, however, as amazing as that meal was on my 29th birthday across from the Colosseum, a- a- as dramatic as that setting was, that was actually the, not the most memorable meal that I experienced on that trip. Uh, the most memorable meal had come the Sunday before when we ate at the home of the Reberati family for Sunday lunch, which was a truly incredible experience. The Sunday meal in Naples is a huge affair. Everyone in the family gathers together for Sunday lunch. Oftentimes, interestingly enough, the families in Naples live in proximity to one another. So if there are grown children, it's not uncommon for them to live in the same building, if not in the same Apartment as their parents or somewhere nearby and so everyone gathers together for Sunday lunch And we sat at this long table with grandma Mr. And Mrs. Rebarati, uh Sons and daughters aunts and uncles cousins a couple of friends boyfriends and girlfriends and and then the meal of course was just course after course after course lasting more than three hours you know, we would eat one dish and then there would be an exodus to the kitchen and after a while another course would appear at the table. And I had a little notebook on that trip uh, because this was, you know, before we took phones on trips and took notes on phones, we actually took things to write in. I had a notebook on that trip that I bumped into when we moved out of the offices during the pandemic. Uh, this is it actually. It's a little tattered, has some grease stains on the front, it's mostly torn in the back. But I, uh, I bumped into this notebook and I had written down uh, everything that was served at that meal uh, after, after I had eaten it. And so the menu that day was coffee, cafe, bruschetta, penne pasta, then a beef stew with a broccoli that I noted tasted like spinach. After that was a pork loin with peas and mushrooms and then another type of mushrooms. I didn't know what it was. Uh, After that, uh, breaded potatoes with mozzarella. After that, truly unique experience that I've never had since, chestnuts. After that was a fruit course, melon, grapes, and pears. That was followed by tiramisu. That was followed by blue champagne. And then all of that was followed by cafe again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, as as you can imagine, it just went on and on and on. And, uh, you know, and all of the time and the work and the preparation that went into executing and hosting that meal, which was really ultimately a vehicle for the family to commune. That was, was incredible to take in, right? It was easily the most abundant meal I've, I'd ever had. Uh, and also, at the same time, one of the most generous expressions of hospitality that I had ever experienced. And all of that gives us a great picture, I think, of this image that is at the beginning of Psalm 23, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, something that we have been talking about through the course of this series is the way that Psalm 23 mirrors the journey that shepherds would take as they would lead their flocks from pasture to pasture during the changing seasons. In Psalm 23, we have talked about begins in green pastures and quiet waters. It continues along the right paths and then progresses, as we saw with Esther last time, through the darkest valley. And now, here in verse 5, we see that this journey culminates at the table that the Lord, our shepherd, has prepared for us. Now, many interpreters believe that the table that David is referring to here is a tableland. And a tableland is an elevated, fairly level region, kind of like a plateau or a mesa, where shepherds would take their flocks for summer grazing. And something that's interesting about these tablelands is that it took a lot of work for these plateaus to be converted into pastures for grazing. Shepherding families that bought or leased this kind of summer feeding ground for their flocks had to, had to invest a tremendous amount of time and effort removing rocks, clearing trees, burning brush, and pulling weeds and poisonous plants. Holes had to be filled. Patches that were bare had to be seeded. So there was a ton of work that went into preparing this pasture land for the sheep. And so this image here at the beginning of verse 5 of Psalm 23 is not an image of a pasture that a shepherd somehow just stumbled upon as they were leading their flock around. Instead, this would have very much been part of that migratory circuit we've been talking about, and a place of generous provision that had been prepared carefully in advance, very much like that meal had been so carefully prepared for in advance that I enjoyed in Naples. And so we get this very rich picture here of God's provision. Right? The Lord our shepherd prepares a table for us. He meticulously prepares this place for us to commune with Him. The Lord our shepherd is our host. But there's something else that is significant that we see here at the beginning of verse 5, and that is that the Lord prepares this table in the presence of our enemies. That the Lord prepares this table for us in the presence of our enemies. Now, the realities, one of the realities of these tablelands is that they were remote. And that meant that just like those dark valleys that Esther talked about last time, predators were never far away. Coyotes, foxes, wolves, bears, wildcats, they were all very real, very present dangers to the flocks that were gathered in these table lands. But once again, like we saw last time with those dark valleys, the reference to enemies here in Psalm 23 is also metaphorical. And as a metaphor, it raises an interesting question for each of us to consider as we come to this text today. And that is, who are the enemies that surround me as I partake from this great table that the Lord has prepared? Who are the enemies that surround me as I partake from this great table that the Lord has prepared? Maybe for you as you sit with that question in this space, a person comes to mind. You know, someone who, uh, for whatever reason, to extend David's metaphor, is a real bear for you to deal with. Could be a coworker or if you're a student, uh, a a classmate. It could be a family member who you struggle with relationally. Someone who you rub the wrong way or who you find yourself in, in constant tension with. Maybe it's a sibling or a parent, maybe a neighbor. Or maybe alternately, there's an enemy like pride or greed or envy or lust or jealousy or laziness or anger. Perhaps the anxiety or trauma from past or present lived experience is an enemy. Or maybe you find yourself this morning in circumstances that you feel like are pitted against you. But Psalm 23 powerfully reminds us that no matter who or what our enemies might be security doesn't come from the absence of enemies instead it comes from the presence of the shepherd but security does not come from the absence of enemies it comes from the presence of the shepherd and so as we come to this table that has been prepared for us in advance The Lord, our shepherd, protects us. We are covered by the Lord's protective presence. And as God protects us with that presence, we also experience at the same time his abundant hospitality. As God protects us with his presence, we experience his abundant hospitality. The second half of Psalm 23, 5 says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, it was common in the world of the ancient Near East for the host of a banquet to anoint their guests with oil, which was typically made by adding perfumes to olive oil. And this anointing was, was a common expression of hospitality that communicated honor and blessing to a guest. Uh, we see an example of this actually in the New Testament in Luke chapter 7 when Jesus was eating at the home of Simon the Pharisee. You might remember the story. A woman came with an expensive jar of this perfumed oil, and she poured it out onto Jesus' feet. And when Simon took offense to what the woman was doing, Jesus defended her actions because she actually was doing what Simon the host had not done. By pouring oil onto Jesus, she was honoring him in a way that a guest was meant to be honored. And Psalm 23 reminds us that the Lord, our shepherd, does that same thing for us. The Lord, our shepherd, honors us as his guests by anointing our heads with oil. That is not the only image of hospitality, though, in Psalm 23. In addition to the anointing oil, there's also this image of the cup that overflows. The Lord anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. Now I think this time of year is not just a time when everyone travels to Europe. This is also a time uh, when kids are participating in a lot of different summer camps and day camps. And uh, back when our oldest son, Kyle, was playing Little League baseball, one summer he and a group of his friends went to the baseball camp that was hosted by the Stanford baseball team. Uh, And I will never forget what Kyle was most excited about when he came back home the first day after the camp. Uh, it was not the coaches. It was not the state-of-the-art facilities. Uh, it was not the experience of having his swing mechanics broken down for him on video. No, the thing that Kyle was the most excited about in the midst of all of that amazing context was the all-you-can-drink Gatorade, <laughs> right? The Stanford baseball camp just had coolers of Gatorade everywhere, and you could just help yourself. All you wanted, all day long. And that was the thing that made the biggest impression. Uh, you know, I remember thinking at the time, uh, after I heard that, that, that I could have put a cooler of Gatorade in the backyard that week, and it would have been a lot less expensive than the Stanford baseball camp. <laughs> right, but how special is it, right, to have that experience of hospitality where it just, the Gatorade cup is overflowing, right? Interestingly enough, right, providing bottomless drinks was also a common expression of hospitality in the ancient Near East, right? In the ancient world, good hosts kept the wine coming. In fact, it was that very expectation that was the inspiration for one of Jesus's first miracles back in John chapter two, when he was at the wedding in Cana. And Jesus ultimately intervened on the host's behalf by miraculously turning water into this incredible amount of wine uh, that would serve that just continued to serve the guests so that the wine could keep on flowing. And in that same way here, with this image of the overflowing cup, we have this great picture of God's abundance. Right? This great picture of the Lord our shepherd's abundant provision. This great picture of the Lord our shepherd's abundant generosity. This great picture of his abundant care. You know, whenever I think about God's abundance, I'm always reminded of Isaiah chapter 35, which incidentally is the passage from which our church gets its name Highway. Isaiah 35 is a a vision of hope. It's a vision of God coming to deliver his people from exile and restore them to their land. In Isaiah 35 chapter 1, and watch for the transformation and for the abundance that takes place in this passage as we look at it together the desert and the parched land will be glad the wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus it will burst into bloom it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy the glory of lebanon will be given to it the splendor of carmel and sharon they will see the glory of the lord the splendor of our god Water will gush forth from the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reed and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. What a great vision. What a great vision of hope fueled by this incredible sense of abundance that we see as that passage unfolds. First, we have the desert being transformed. Water is gushing. Flowers are blooming. Grass and reeds and papyrus are growing. And then beyond that transformation of the desert into a, a lush place filled with water, the blind sea and the deaf here. And the lame aren't just walking around, they're leaping for joy. And the mute aren't just talking, they're shouting. And then in verse 8, we have the image of a highway. Like right? this road that springs up off the ground, providing protection and safety for God's people. From all the dangers. Protection and safety from all of the enemies that lurk below as they are led back to Zion. And so there's this abundance in this passage that's just palpable, this sense of more upon more upon more upon more, course after course after course. We see that same quality here in Psalm 23 with this image of the cup that overflows. It's, It's a picture of God's abundant goodness and generosity and blessing. And that is such an important image for us. It's such an important image for us because the dark valleys that are inevitably a part of all of our journeys at various times, at the times of uncertainty, the times of instability, the times of change, the times of transition, those can foster in us a mindset that is actually the opposite of abundance. It can foster in us a mindset of scarcity. And in that mindset of scarcity, can make us want to grab control. It can make us want to worry. It can make us anxious. But Psalm 23 invites us to see and to hold on to God's abundance. To see and to hold on to the abundance of the table that he has prepared for us in advance. Now, Sometimes, uh, there can be a temptation for us to want to fast forward to the table land. We want to just be through whatever valley that we're in and at that table on the other side. We want that highway to miraculously appear to deliver us out of the valley in which we find ourselves. But here's the thing. Shepherds took the sheep through those valleys because despite all of the dangers that were there and inherent, there was pasture there. That shepherds took the sheep through those valleys because there was pasture there. And in the same way, God pastures us in those valleys as we move through them to the other side. He pastures us in those valleys as we move along through to the tableland. And so the dark valleys, right, are not just about future experiences of redemption at the tableland. God also very much has things for us in the midst of those valleys. And so as we experience uncertainty and instability and change and transition. And as we experience disappointment. And as we experience heartache. And as we experience loss, and as we experience pain and suffering, God pastures us. There are gifts for us to receive. And then, speaking of abundance, speaking of more upon more upon more, God walks us through those valleys and invites us to pull a chair up at his table. The table that he, our gracious and generous host, has prepared for us far in advance, right? where the cup is not just half full or even full, but overflowing. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. One of the ways that we rehearse together as a community this truth of God's abundance. One of the ways that we rehearse this table that he has prepared for us in advance is through the practice of communion. On the night before his betrayal and arrest, Jesus gathered his disciples together where? At a table to share a meal with them. And during that meal, Jesus took two common and familiar elements and he used them as symbols through which his disciples would remember the gift of sacrificial love that he would soon give on the cross the bread Jesus said represents his body and the wine represents his blood and as his followers we are invited to that table as well we, we are invited to pull up a chair and share in this same meal. Remembering and celebrating and holding on to the abundant, overflowing love that was shown to us through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, as you come to this table this morning in the context of this wonderful verse from Psalm 23. How might God be inviting you to experience his overflowing cup? How might God be inviting you to experience his overflowing cup? How might he be inviting you to trust in his abundance? Around the room, there are three communion stations, one that's right here in front of me, another one in the back of the room to my right, your left, and then one to the front of the room to your right, my left. And as the band leads us now in a song, uh, whenever it is that you're ready, you're welcome to make your way to one of the communion stations, get the elements in whatever form you prefer, and then return to your seat. And after you've returned to your seat, whenever you are ready, uh, you are welcome to partake of the elements individually as we come to the table that God has prepared for us far, far in advance through the love and sacrifice of His Son. May we celebrate His abundance and may we discover, may we reflect upon where God is inviting us to experience that overflowing cup today. Where do you need to see His abundance? Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the beauty and for the comfort that comes from this psalm. We thank you, God, that as we walk with you, that you are present with us through each step of the journey, whatever that looks like for us. Would you make us aware, God, wherever we find ourselves today, of the gifts that you have for us. And would you also God, help us to remain focused on that table land that you have prepared in advance for us. Thank you for this expression today of pulling our chair up to that table that you have prepared. Thank you Father for the abundant love that you have shown to us through Jesus. For the forgiveness that we have experienced for the life that we have in you. And thank you for all the ways, God, that you invite us to continue to trust you and trust in your abundance through all the things that we are experiencing. Holy Spirit, would you give us courage in those spaces where we feel like something is scarce? Would you help us to see that cup that overflows and give us courage to trust? We love you, Father. We thank you for your abundant goodness in Jesus' name.